0: All right, here we are. Welcome everyone to the first episode of our infertility podcast. I'm Karen.
1: And I'm Mike.
0: My husband. And we're a couple who has been going through infertility drama for seven years, over seven years. And we've decided to make a podcast to share the story for for a number of reasons that we'll we'll get into. But uh yeah, it's been pretty weird and this podcast is going to go through how a a normal couple with no known health problems, reasonable people have ended so up so reasonable. So reasonable have ended up going to like five clinics in multiple countries doing all kinds of crazy medical things to try to have a baby, um, when we definitely never saw ourselves getting into this position.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we, when we first met, we were both of the mindset that we probably didn't need to have kids or want to have kids, or Mm -hmm. it was kind of just not a big issue for us, and little did we know we would be on this journey Mm -hmm. for... I don't know, whatever, is it seven years, eight years now? I, I think know. it's a like seven and a half years. It's all blur. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we're going to get more into the story of, of how it all started. Um, so first of all, just like a quick...
1: But I think we need to like... Okay. Tell them, get a little more excited about...
0: All right, let's do so it.
1: I think, well, exciting is you know, interesting, I guess is probably the right way to phrase it. Might but...
0: give us... Oh, I'm
1: sorry. But no, we're just, I think we just talk it up. Like, the, you know, your podcast, you got to like, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to get into? And For I sure. think, yes, we're going to talk about going into multiple countries, a lot of different clinics, you know, famous doctors, a lot of phone calls with clinics and consultations. Mm-hmm. And I think also we'll talk about therapy, couples therapy, mm-hmm. infertility therapy. Mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about dogs. Yeah. Lots of dogs. You probably hear dogs, <laughs> dogs on the podcast more often than we want you to hear the dogs.
0: Hopefully and, not, but
1: um, it could
0: happen. Yeah,
1: travel traveling. Yes, we'll talk about finances. Um, finances in some respects, sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Dealing with other people getting pregnant around us.
1: Everyone gets Every, pregnant around you. Everybody all the
0: time. we know.
1: <laughs> uh, gender reveal parties.
0: The time that we accidentally were tricked into going to a gender reveal party. Yeah.
1: Without um, without knowing it. Yeah, uh, going to support groups.
0: Yep, yep. Um, using substances banned by the Olympic Committee
1: oh, as part of yeah. your fertility treatment. Y- yeah, you know, taking your bag full of medicine through the security line and like, With like special Germany letter. or something. Yeah. Like all those women's hormones. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's a moment. Yeah. So I think there's some interesting stories to tell.
0: There's definitely some interesting stories to tell. But the most interesting part about this whole thing is that we are coming to the end of this journey. And we don't know which way it's going to resolve, but it is going to end one way or another. It's it's going to end either we're going to have a child against all odds, seemingly, or we're going to move on with our lives child-free after initially being told that we had no health problems and we were totally going to get pregnant any second, and that just absolutely not being the case. Mm-hmm. So to me, either way this ends is going to be pretty surprising.
1: yeah, I think also about the structure of the podcast is that since we're actively going through this that we'll do we're start I would like to do you know episodes in the moment. Mm -hmm. and we've tried to capture one moment already so that as things come in Mm -hmm. that we can go ahead and just kind of talk it out a little bit and uh keep people updated on what is Mm -hmm. going on so and you know we're this first podcast is in recorded in august Mm -hmm. and uh you know our deadline which we'll get into what that means is in february of
0: 2023
1: Mm -hmm. so we've got a a defined window like
0: five months or something
1: we've got five months that will document mm-hmm. what's yeah what happens and i think we're calling this podcast the last transfer but i don't remember if either that's
0: that actually. or an infertility story
1: i like the last transfer yeah. better to more um as a dude yeah. i think that it's a little bit more interesting than as an infertility dude. story mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't know if dudes listen to these things
0: um i'm sure that some dudes listen to these things. If yeah. If you're
1: if you're a dude and you're listening to this because your partner made you then it'll be all right. It'll be all right.
0: Uh, we'll have some stuff for you for sure. I hope so. Um yeah. Uh no, I mean I think well this is actually probably a good time. Well, first to wrap up the structure of our podcast. My vision is that we're going to tell the story of how we got here and that will take several episodes. And then we will be caught up to the present day and we'll do the play-by-play. So we'll give regular updates, you know, every step that happens from here on out. Mm -hmm. And um, I also want to throw in some other types of episodes here and there, such as talking about maybe advice on how to talk to your friend who's going through infertility. Um, I really want to do some Reddit, Am I the Asshole, infertility-related posts and talk through those. Um, Talk about how infertility is portrayed in the media, in books and movies and things like that. Um, Tell some some of our funny stories. So some stuff like that, too. Yeah. Um,
1: I just remembered the funny story. I think you're going to try and get me to tell.
0: Save that for later, for sure.
1: Not All the times you have to, uh, as the dude donate the uh specimen yeah uh, all all of the rooms all of the porn all of the oh my God all the stuff that happens
0: yeah that stuff's supposed to be uh that's that's the juicy stuff for later yeah that'll be like spef- special um Mother's Day Father's Day podcast edition to give <laughs> us like some laughs
1: oh man especially in other countries with the names of stuff is uh, it's great
0: I cannot wait um so in this episode today we're well, we've, we've introduced things pretty much, but we're going to get into the first part of our journey, which was actually before we even started trying to get pregnant. And uh, But first, we have a couple of disclaimers we want to put out there. Um, the first and most important one is that we are not medical professionals of any kind. We have no credentials.
1: We are also not lawyers or real estate agents.
0: Or dog trainers. Or dog
1: trainers.
0: (laughs) That's not going to stop us from espousing on (laughs) these topics. I'm just kidding. But no, like we're not medical professionals. So nothing that we say should be taken as medical advice. And you need to talk to your doctor about your specific situation. Um, The other thing I want to say is that we want to be as inclusive as possible talking about infertility and in the language that we use because infertility affects people of all genders and sexual orientations and phases of life. So we we don't want to be, you know, too like man, woman, couple type of thing. Um, But when you're talking about infertility and you're talking about like uh, eggs and sperm and uteruses and things like that. It it does kind of go into like a heterosexual, hetero, heteronormative couple type of thing. But we want to be as inclusive as possible because it's not, um, you know, it's something that affects so many different people. Um, but we happen to be a heterosexual cisgender couple. So that's just our scenario. Um, so let's talk about how we met. Let's do
1: it. Yep.
0: The story starts in 20, 2006. I was going to say 2016, but nope, 2006, going way back in time. And we met in grad school. So we both went to, uh, to grad school for philosophy. And it was my second year in the program, but your first year. And I went to class on the first day and I went to my seminar, uh, which was called Problems of Evil. Led by our favorite professor, Steve, who will come into the story again later. Um, And I remember that I saw this new guy in class and I was like, oh no, he looks like my type. This could be dangerous. We were like a tall drink of water, light brown hair, probably wearing like a plaid button down short sleeve shirt some cargo shorts and some flip flops you know something like that this was in San Diego so that's that's the uniform um, and feel free to jump, jump in here yeah anytime. oh
1: man uh, yeah so we were in San Diego studying philosophy together and we were in this crazy class and um, I think the first weekend after class the Steve, the teacher of the class, also the, the chair of the department, mm-hmm. had his annual like welcome grad students party and faculty mm-hmm. and staff come over. And they would, you know, have like, I don't know, a little party barbecue thing. And then uh, we all went over there. And then that's when I think we first kind of started talking. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, there's, there's a big group of folks there that end up being friends that kind of initially... Mm-hmm. Just kind of hit it off, and we talked as as a group like all night. Yeah. Uh, after the party, went back to one of the people's houses and talked until like five or six in the morning, and just about mm-hmm. all all things when you're drunk and As char- the last char- last time
0: you ever stayed up till five in the morning.
1: Yeah, I think it probably was.
0: Um, yeah, and we weren't like drunk drunk, but yeah, we went back to our friend's house, and it was like me and two other girls who I already knew. The three of us were already friends uh from the first year of our program and then you and another new guy came over and we all shout out to Luke. Yeah. We all chatted it up and became besties. And even though I had first seen you and been like, oh, who dat, but I wasn't really um at this point like feeling like a romantic like like we were just friends. And I kinda thought you were you were into me and you uh kind of invited yourself over to like watch a movie like the next day anyway it's a whole it's a whole thing but
1: yeah um i mean i would i had just driven down san diego i didn't know anyone i packed up my car i had just transferred there and uh it was like a big ordeal so i was like trying to meet people mm -hmm. and uh you know you were the the prettiest one so i said let's let's make friends with her
0: Um, You slid into my MySpace
1: DMs. Yes, MySpace DMs. After that night. Well, we had just just spent like all night talking as a group. And then I I think we sure we talked about movies and I was like, oh, you got to see this movie. Squid and the Whale. Mm -hmm. Great movie.
0: Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen it.
1: Yeah. And I was like, let me know you want to see it. I had a burned copy (laughs) uh, from years past Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, we should hang out and watch this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, cool, but then I kind of uh, realized, like, wait a minute, I barely know this guy and he's, like, going to come over and we're going to watch a movie. I don't want him to get the wrong idea. This is, like, maybe not what I'm looking for right now. Um, so, But I, you did
1: buy wine glasses.
0: I did. So I – it's funny in hindsight because I didn't have any wine glasses, but I did have wine, and I was like, oh, well, if I'm having somebody over, like, I need to offer them something to drink, right? And I need to have wine glasses. So I actually went to Target and I bought some wine glasses. And then I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And so I um, I canceled and you. She
1: t- you kind of like ghosted me or something. I thought you were kind of a bitch.
0: Well, I don't know. But you also told me that your plan was to try to get me in the sack that night. So I was well, right on the money with that. Um, I think it just
1: goes without with saying canceling. that if you're like a young, attractive couple, out on the prowl we weren't a couple (laughs) no but i feel like okay you're young young single attractive people that want to you know um come on i don't know It it was netflix and chill before netflix and chill it
0: was but i anyway so i i was like i was like you know what i'm really tired which by the way we'd stay up till like five in the morning
1: before it was netflix and chill it was the squid and the whale (laughs)
0: um amazing but but things did not happen that night because i no
1: you ghosted me or you just yeah i was was
0: like hey i'm tired let's um do this another time
1: yeah it never happened
0: well i did eventually see the movie like years later yeah but anyway um but after that we did become friends and we started hanging out and um yeah it just turned into something more over time um, as as things do And so it was like beginning of 2007 when we were officially dating and then, uh, our program ended and we graduated, you graduated. I technically graduated years later when I finished my thesis, long story, doesn't matter. Um, and that summer, our, our job sent us in different places. So you went to Seattle for the summer. I went to Hawaii for the summer. You came to see me in Hawaii, And then we ended up both in the San Francisco Bay area because our families lived, lived in the, in the general area, not super close to each other, but close enough. And we kept dating. And then in uh, 2010, we moved in together in San Francisco. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you were uh, you were working in northern North Bay, and I was working in the Peninsula, and then we decided mm-hmm. to move in together in the middle mm-hmm. in San Francisco.
0: Mm-hmm. We had a two bedroom, two bathroom apartment, and it was like eleven hundred dollars.
1: It was right next to Nineteenth Avenue, and you just hear cars mm-hmm. and trucks, yeah, all day.
0: And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a steal. Uh, as san francisco blew up over the next several years and rents went crazy and we had this like cute little apartment um and then we got engaged in 2012 and we got married in 2013
1: yeah so you're doing the math yeah we dated for five or six years
0: something like that
1: got engaged we engaged for about a year and then i think
0: i think we were dating for like over five years when we got engaged Mm -hmm. yeah like five and a half years and then we got married a year later so it was like six and a half years before we got married yeah um and we had an amazing wedding it was a fairy tale it was perfect and our professor steve was our officiant
1: the problems of evil professor yep he was our,
0: our professor from the first day and also the the professor whose house we like met at his party and you know um it was awesome and it was great and at this point um let's back up a little bit so how did you feel at this point about having kids like how did you did you want to have kids or like
1: i didn't think did about it i don't think dudes really just sit down and think about it that much i think some people do i think at some mm-hmm. point some people are just like, yeah, I've always wanted to have kids. I've always wanted to do this or that. It just wasn't like a huge value for me to be mm-hmm. like, I require kids or mm-hmm. like, I'll be very upset. I think even to this day, I have this kind of romantic notion of being like more of like a grandparent or like older and having mm-hmm. kids around. Because like, mm-hmm. you know, when we hang out with our folks, I'm like, oh, yeah, when I'm old like them. Yeah, I want to have people around and, like, go yeah. do fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't, I've never really been, like, oh, I really want to have, like, little kids run around and go play t-ball or something. Like, that mm-hmm. hasn't been, like, a specific kind of thing I've mm-hmm. yearned for.
0: You've had other things, though, that you've said that you kind of, like, you know, would look forward to about having kids. You yeah, know? that's Just true. little, little De- things.
1: Definitely things come up. Yeah. where I am, like, oh man, you are kind of sad. You are like in, in, during this process, mm-hmm. where I, I you can you can imagine doing something as a parent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I think it comes up like Christmas time, like shopping for presents for kids or something like yeah. that. That's always kind of like something I can I can because you know you do it for like your nephews or your your, your other family people like that. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine doing that and that it hits home. Um, but the reality is those are not that often, but they're powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I remember that when we were dating, you used to mention having kids. You used to kind of like just offhandedly being like, yeah, someday if we have kids or when we have kids or stuff like that.
1: Yeah. But I I mean, we could even back up before that, where like before kids, like even marriage was like mm -hmm. not necessarily that I was totally certain as an institution. You can talk about your values and family values growing up about feminist ideas of. Marriage and those kinds of things, but I think in the young idealistic space that we met, you know, being married formally mm-hmm. was not necessarily a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you know, I think part of that is why, uh, you know, we dated for as long as we did. I think that helps, I, that makes contextually like the child. Thing a little bit easier I think to understand just like it wasn't just like maybe child like having child or not it wasn't like indifference or something like that but it's more like a general um and skepticism is not the right word but mindfulness maybe is not the right world either but um you know just not taking it for granted that you know you go from dating to kids to marriage to kids to whatever uh-huh. so you know we we had to work through you know do we want to get married uh, do we, quote, believe in marriage? Is marriage right for us? What does that mean? Um, and, you know, ultimately we got married. And um, I think that was something, I mean, it leads into the, the, the child conversation too, where it's like you identify that that was really important for you. And you basically, mm-hmm. in some ways or other, had kind of like an ultimatum in some ways. I mean, not, not an articulated one, but it was like, it was clear that, marriage was important and that if this was going to work, that that Uh we'd have to go that way. And I was, I was fine with that.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole marriage thing is definitely a long story and I, I never gave an ultimatum and in my mind, I think that I, I went back and forth on that. Um, but only about marriage, not children. Um, but yeah, so Anyway, we could get into it more at a at a different time. But basically, with the whole marriage thing, yeah, I I was ready to get married before you were, and it was important to me. And you didn't think it was important to you, um, and you were still very serious about the relationship. But marriage was not like something that you. Anyway, it's a whole it's a whole thing. But um, mm-hmm. we worked it out.
1: And, we worked it out. That's um, right.
0: But going back to the to the kids thing, so it sounds like to you. Um, I think what you're, what you're saying is that our beliefs were pretty non-traditional that we weren't, especially when we met and we very first started dating, we weren't on a, like, you know, we were in a philosophy program. We definitely had like, um, I don't know. I think it's, I think the whole culture around it is just kind of looking a little bit skeptically at life and traditions and being like, why would we want to do that? Why do we need to go through the societal ritual to define our relationship type of, type of thinking. Um, and so, so it wasn't just a given that we were like on a track to get married and have kids. Um, even though probably to most people looking at us now, we are a very traditional
1: couple, you know? uh, Yeah. If you met us, uh, you know, at a dinner party or something, because we would love to go to a dinner party because we have traditional values like that. We would. Uh, we
0: do. We love a lot of traditional. Yeah, <laughs> you would be like
1: these are just like straight up, straight laced people from the burbs. That yeah.
0: Little do they know. Just kidding. We we actually are, but um, yeah. So so for me, you know, when I was a kid, I remember the idea of having kids just being very abstract. Like I assumed I would maybe have them someday, but it just wasn't something I really thought about in in a concrete way. And then when I was, uh, like in my early twenties, when we met, I actively did not want to get married or have kids. I, especially having kids. I That's think the
1: woman I fell in love with,
0: I think I always wanted to get married, but it was, it was very abstract. And then the idea of having kids did not appeal to me at the time. Um, and I think in hindsight, I think a lot of it was actually the way that mothers, uh, and, you know adult adult women are portrayed in in the media and like in books and movies and stuff you know the the character who's a mom is often just kind of like frazzled running after her kids and that's her whole life and that's the only thing you know about her is that she's a mom and she doesn't have her own like hobbies and interests and i just didn't relate to to that so and obviously that's a completely unfair portrayal but i think just in hindsight looking back i i think that
1: but is it kind of true (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, it's not true. I mean,
1: you look well, at the, the parents, we know right now that have young children.
0: I mean, that's a whole that's a whole <laughs> other topic for sure, but um that we that I'm sure we'll get into, but you know, like looking back, I think that that was actually a lot of it uh surprisingly. Um but um then as we started dating, you know, as I fell in love with with my man, I did start to see you know, the possibility of us having kids. And I think that I thought that you wanted to have kids and you come from an even more traditional family than I do, where I felt like it was just kind of like a thing that, that we were going to do that you were going to do. And, and yeah, the idea started to appeal to me. But again, at this point, it was still very abstract. It wasn't, um, I wasn't like, man, I really wish we had a baby right now.
1: Put a baby in me.
0: (laughs) It was not like that at all. It was just like, oh yeah, someday we'll do that. Um, and I was a lot more focused on wanting to get married for sure than wanting to have kids. But the kids thing did lead into the marriage thing because, you know, there's this whole idea that everybody everybody knows about. Everybody's heard about the whole statistic that after thirty-five having kids becomes harder and it's harder to get pregnant and there's higher risk factors. And so I was thinking, well, let's do the math like if we're going to have kids before I'm 35, we should probably be, you know, starting to try to have kids when I'm like in my early 30s, basically. And so anyway, when we got married, I was 30, and you were 32. Um, and so I remember, a f- I think a few months after we got married, and we'll see if you even remember this conversation. But I remember feeling a little bit of anxiety about it. And I didn't, I didn't want to repeat the whole marriage thing of me being ready and you not being ready. I didn't want to rehash that with having kids. I didn't want it to become a thing where I was pushing you. And so, but I was starting to do the math and think like, okay, I'm 30 years old now. We just got married. Um, Like, when is this going to happen? We should probably think about doing this soon. And so we sat down and had a conversation And I was like, when, when should we have kids? Um, when should we do this? And then we decided to start trying in 2015. So we got married in 2013. So this conversation was like the end of 2013. And so we were like, okay, all of 2014, we're just going to enjoy being married. That'll be like our first year marriage and it'll be like a great time. And then after that, we will start trying to have kids. Do you remember that conversation?
1: I don't remember the conversation, but I remember the understanding that we weren't going to try and, until after the first year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah the uh, the wedding year and the year after that, best years of our lives. By far. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> All downhill from there. <laughs>
0: that was the last time we knew peace yeah. and joy. Yeah. Well, Mostly oh joking. Sort <laughs> of.
1: By <laughs> sort far. By far the best years. Really? Oh, yeah.
0: 2013 was like the best year i've had i think uh i turned 30 we got married My we
1: honeymoon. had the most
0: amazing honeymoon it was amaz- it was an amazing year
1: yeah we had good jobs um, and everything was just going that's when we peaked Going perfectly well mm-hmm. everything was on track
0: mm-hmm. and so as 2014 started to come to a close i started to think like uh, wait a minute, we're like supposed to be maybe having like trying to get pregnant in like a couple of months. And so I started kind of thinking like, what do I need to do? And the first thing that I thought of was, am I supposed to be taking prenatal vitamins? And I, at the time, I was like, Oh, I'm sure I don't need to like vitamins or bullshit. Like, let me just Google and see if I do I really need to be taking prenatal vitamins. And that's what sent me down a rabbit hole. Because I learned that not only, yes, you should take prenatal vitamins before you get pregnant if you, if you can, um, but there was like so many other things that I didn't know about, about getting pregnant. And so I became like pretty quickly obsessed. And I wouldn't call myself a type A person, but I do feel like I'm kind of a like logical planning type of person, you know? And when I when I get into something, I get pretty, pretty into it. Um, so the first uh, I found this book that was super cool. And it's called expecting better by Emily Oster. And this book is so she's an economist, I think I want to say. And she wrote this book that was all about um, kind of the recommendations for pregnant women and like whether what the science actually shows about like drinking alcohol while you're pregnant, eating sushi, eating like rare meat, things like that. And so I read that book. Um, and it was really fascinating and really interesting. And um, you know, I was of course expecting to be pregnant in the near future, so I was like, I gotta know gotta Any know these day. things. Any I, day. I gotta know how much wine I can be drinking. Just kidding, sort of. I mean you know, I just wanted to know like what is what is the science behind this stuff. Um, But in that book, there was actually a chapter about getting pregnant and it opened my eyes to some things. And so before this, my plan with how to get pregnant was to stop using birth control. In my case, I had an IUD. So to get the IUD removed and then just like live our lives and just like move on and and not like try, try, but just like whatever and just just stop preventing pregnancy, basically. And I was gonna be the cool girl, you know, in Gone Girl, the cool girl. Yes. Yes, that's what I was gonna be. I was gonna be the cool girl of getting pregnant. Now I'm the exact opposite of the cool girl of getting of getting pregnant. Um, so I was. Just... What's
1: the opposite of a cool girl?
0: Well, I guess I wouldn't say, like, right now I'm the opposite. But I would say, like, basically... You're, the,
1: you're, you're uh, a little crazy? A little drums? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you how I went. This is how I went from being like, oh, I'm just going to get my IUD removed. And, like, do I even need to take vitamins? And, like, what's, you know, how do I do this? Like, I don't know anything about pregnancy. And I'm not even trying. It's just whatever. Being super chill. Here's the opposite. Have you seen the episode of Sex and the City? No. Okay. Well, on Sex and the City, the character Charlotte and her husband Trey are trying to have a baby and there's a scene and I I think in the, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think in the show, like she really wants to have a baby and he's kind of like, whatever. And there's a scene where they're in a greenhouse of his mother's prized orchids and she's wearing this watch that all of a sudden beeps and tell her tells her that she's ovulating, and then they start having sex in the greenhouse mm. on the orchids, mm. and so and and this is you know something I want to get into more with the whole like how infertility is portrayed in in media because this is like a classic example. Did of, it like, work? Did they get pregnant? No, no. All right, I'll watch it. They had infertility <laughs> infertility stuff. Um, her character ended up adopting a baby from China with her second husband anyway um oh but i think she got pregnant i think she got like surprise pregnant in one of the movies Ugh. the worst yeah <laughs> lots to talk about there with sex in the city but um where was I? So so basically, that was what I was trying not to be. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to be that woman who's like, oh, my God, I'm ovulating. We have to have sex right now and like obsessing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do that, right? I was mm-hmm. not going to obsess. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened. I read this book and she had this chapter in the book about getting pregnant and statistics and things like that. And there were a couple of things that just crystallized in my mind that... I swear I learned somewhere along the way in sex ed or as the as the owner of a female reproductive system. I, sh- I should have known these things, but I just didn't put the pieces together. And so those things were number one, that you ovulate once a month around the same time every month, generally speaking. And number two, that you can only get pregnant within a few days of that ovulation. And these were things that I had just not fully put together, even though they seem so obvious now.
1: It's uh, it's a big contraception industry. It's blocking all the information.
0: Well, well, yeah. So like when you do sex ed in in school, obviously it's all about trying to not get pregnant. Yeah. So sponsored by Trojan. So why would you tell kids that there's only a couple days a month when you can get pregnant? Because then they're gonna be like, oh, okay. So I can I can have sex like. Most of the time and, you know, it's just not, it's not information that you can like.
1: 60% of the time works all the time.
0: (laughs) So yeah, for basically the first time in my life, I just kind of put these pieces together and I was like, wait a minute, why wouldn't I then figure out when I'm ovulating and make sure that we're, Mm
1: -hmm. it just makes that we're doing
0: the deed around that time. Like, why wouldn't we do that?
1: And this is the, this is one of those, the advice where I think you're going with this is that everyone who like. Uh, we meet like the first time, or like kind of know, and they want to give us, they want to ask us, like, oh, well, have you tried like getting a monitor? Have you tried that? <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So not only have we tried it, but I got one immediately, like right away. I got a fertility monitor, um and I read this other book also that I want to give a shout out to called The Impatient Woman's Guide to Getting Pregnant. The author get this, is her name is Jean Twenge, and she's actually a psychology professor at San Diego State, which is where we went to grad school. Um, But anyway, this book was really great. It was uh, very informative, and it was funny, unlike some of the other books about getting pregnant that try to be funny that are not funny. And um, by the way, I would love to dig dig more into, you know, Karen's uh, Infertility and Pregnancy Book Club, because I've read a lot of books, and... Um, some of them are good and some of them are bad anyway but this one I really enjoyed and so she talked extensively about like you know methods to getting pregnant whatever and so I bought a fertility monitor this is all before we even started trying by the way Mm -hmm. um and I remember feeling like I was a little bit crazy because the fertility monitor was like 200 bucks it was a, a clear blue fertility monitor they still they still have them probably more expensive now though. This was like seven years ago. That would be amazing. But, um, I remember feeling silly because I was like, what if I buy this and then I get pregnant the first month or the second month and it's like like 200 bucks and it's like, (laughs) I didn't need that at all. Um, and actually, so funny enough, if you look at the product on the website, all the top reviews on Amazon are like, I use this and I got pregnant the first month or like the second month. And like, in reality, those reviews should not be considered high reviews. It should be my review, which I haven't written a review. But I used the thing for like like a year and didn't get pregnant the whole time. Mm. So I actually like used the product and can endorse it and and do recommend it uh, because it helped me at least know that we were timing things correctly and that I did have regular cycles and, and we still weren't getting pregnant. Anyway, so another thing I did preparing to get pregnant is I got LASIK- surgery, something that I had been kind of putting off for a long time, and I decided to finally go for it. And while I was going through that process, you're actually not supposed to get pregnant within like six months of getting LASIK. And so at the time, I felt like, ooh. In case
1: it fucks you up and you can't say anything?
0: (laughs) Because, basically, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, pregnancy can cause um, eye vision changes, like your hormones, because pregnancy messes up everything. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, but... I hear. And so it can actually change your vision. So if you just had LASIK surgery, then it's like you you don't know what's really going on with your eyes. So um but I remember, you know, like finding that out but being like, "Ooh, I'm just going to be a rebel. I'm not going to tell my doctor that I'm like immediately trying to get pregnant as soon as I get this eye surgery." So I did that and I got my IUD out in February 2015. And there's one other thing that I did at this time to get to prepare to uh, start trying to get... Pre- oh, I also remember I bought pregnancy tests. I bought like a pack of 10. And they were This dis- is all
1: you ever, you'll ever need right here.
0: Well, I, I remember buying this this pack of pregnancy tests and being like, which one of these is going to be the one that tells me that I'm pregnant? Is it going to be the third one? Is it going to be the eighth one? Like, which one is
1: it going to be? Start naming them.
0: For real. Yeah. Like March, April, May. Like, like I really thought one of them for one thing I was delusional that I thought I was going to only take one pregnancy test a month. Cause like, you know, we'll get, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get there. But like, I, yeah, I was like, which one of these 10 is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And the answer is n- not a one, not a single one of them. But, mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I did, and this is where, this is something that I have lived to regret very much I, so I was worried that you, like, wouldn't be excited about us having a baby, Mm -hmm. which seems funny now, but -hmm. at the time, I just wasn't sure, like, how into it you were, and so I was, like, I had this vision of, of, like, presenting you with, like, my positive pregnancy test, and, like, wanting you to feel.
1: Hey, open it up with, like, a a (laughs) gift.
0: Yeah, and so I was, like, and if you look online, there's. I I want to like roll my eyes so hard now just because of bitterness, but like there's all these things online of like women like telling their husbands that they're pregnant and like filming it or like giving them like cute little things or like mm-hmm. bullshit like that, Um which is you know great for you. I'm just I'm just bitter. But I went online and I bought a little onesie with like a Jack Johnson logo on it because you're such a big Jack Johnson fan, mm-hmm. and I. I got it in green because you mm-hmm. had, like, a Jack Johnson shirt that was the same color, and I still have it, and it haunts me to this day. Oh, I
1: thought you got rid of it. Nope. Oh, wow. We still have it.
0: And I ended up telling you about it after, like,
1: yeah. a year. Yeah, after a year. I didn't tell you for
0: a long time.
1: Yeah, that was super sad.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I'm tearing up a little bit about it thinking of it right now. But, um, yeah, and I've gone back and forth on, like, should I – should we burn it? Should we give it to to one of our friends who has babies? Should we? Should we keep it? Like anyway, so we still have it. But I don't know.
1: That's gonna. It haunts me. Take some therapy to talk about that one.
0: It haunts me to this day. Um, so that's that's something I regret. Thank God that's all I got, and I didn't like buy baby things because a lot of people buy a lot of baby things.
1: Do you know what I did to pre- prepare for trying to get pregnant? <laughs> Fucking nothing. <laughs>
0: I was torn between saying nothing and making a a dirty joke. Yeah, um, I'm sure that you did nothing.
1: Yeah, uh, but it was very scary. And yeah, I mean, where I thought you were kind of talking about not being excited. It's yeah, because like even if we, you know, got a uh, positive pregnancy test tomorrow or something. Mm-hmm. There would be excitement there after everything we've gone through. Mm-hmm. But it's still more than anything, it's just terror about actually having to be a parent or actually getting to be a parent. So just yeah. talking about it and I don't know how to talk about it. But, uh, you know, just more like, oh, shit. That's like I know if and when it'll still just be like, oh, my God. How are we yeah. going to do this?
0: And I got to be honest, like this is something that I would really like to talk about throughout this podcast or maybe we need to dedicate a whole I don't know it'll it'll come up here and there but like to be honest you would think that after 7 years I'd feel completely prepared to have a child and like I don't like when I when I think about the reality of having a kid I honestly feel slightly terrified even though it's something that I want more than anything in this world I I think part of it is that I've I've avoided really thinking about the realities as a self-protection thing. Mm-hmm. Because if I start thinking about, like, setting up a nursery and buying baby things and, like, taking maternity leave, if I start thinking about those things, it just gets me to... Like, even though it's terrifying, it also makes me just sad because I... I get too, like, invested in that stuff, and I don't I don't want to, like, allow myself. It's kind of like how before we got engaged, I didn't really allow myself to, like, look at rings or look at wedding dresses, or I just, like, didn't want to engage you in that. You were the cool girl. I mean, maybe that's part of it, but that's not what it is now. Yeah. Now it's like I just...
1: No, you said it's self-preservation. Yeah. Because you've implemented a philosophy of, uh, how would you say it, about living... Like not setting up your future. I don't know how do you say it.
0: I think what you're getting at is like not making any future plans based around yes. having a child or being pregnant. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's something we still we still do. Like if we're, you know, like early in this trying cycle, we probably, or earlier in our fertility journey, we probably did be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't plan like a vacation because what mm-hmm. if I'm pregnant? Type of thing. Mm-hmm. And now no that's gone completely out. i mean at this point yeah yeah it's just
1: financial planning and everything is is good um you know in general and but after in our situation it's like you know should we not make plans to do something in six months because we might be pregnant or because mm-hmm. we're gonna have a transfer in between then or you know it's like no you, you no. plan your life as if it's going to continue like it is going
0: yeah so we you know, I, I figure if we had to cancel a vacation,
1: great. then great. that would be, be a great happy. problem to
0: have because I'm like pregnant or because we have a a baby or something like that, you know? Yep. So, um, not that you can't go on vacation when you're pregnant, but you know what I mean? If,
1: yeah, but that's just like one easy example. Yeah. But the, the idea that, you know, you're not, uh, you're, you're planning your life for the future of your life as if you are in the current state. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But yeah, also on the um, on the topic of just being terrified about having kids, my darkest moments, even now, are when I feel so sad about our infertility. But then I also start to feel like, oh, my God, if we have a child, like, is that going to be absolutely terrifying, you know, and feeling like either way, my life is going to be miserable. That's a pretty dark confession that I have. And that's probably my depression talking and yes. it's not necessarily rational, but like, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the point we're making is that we are obviously trying to have a child like super hard and yet we're, we're still terrified of having a child and don't actually know what our lives would look like if it happened.
1: Be, our lives would be very different. Yeah. A lot of uncertainty.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that, that brings our story up until actually trying to get pregnant. So that's the end of chapter one of the tale
1: that sounds like a good breaking point to me
0: yeah for sure so um thank you for listening and this is only the beginning there's so much more to talk about um and yeah see you next time hang in there bye